Good morning, Grace Point. Get a sound check there, and if you can't hear him, you'll turn it up more. How about that? Um, I'm John Johnson. I am not Gunnar Hansen. I'm not a Navy SEAL, and I don't even do CrossFit. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm in touch with myself. Don't worry. Before we get into the book, just real quickly, Gunnar's on vacation. And he's, uh, he expressed to me and probably to some of you who's really excited uh, to get to go on vacation. It's been a hard year for pastors, a really hard year. <clears throat> I've spoken with a number of them out in town who um, actually thought about quitting the ministry. It's been so brutal. Not from the outside, but from within the church. Uh, everybody has a different opinion about what they should have done or should do or shouldn't do. It's been rough. And, and what, it, just, it just blesses our socks off to see um, how this church has uh, taken care of the Hansons and how uh, they allow for them to go on vacation, and people are reaching out. If you've been reaching out to Gunner and getting that text message back, I'm not in the office, you haven't got that, huh? Well, I've gotten it every time. Is it just me? Okay, fine. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, I see the map up there, so you know where we were. Uh, we're still in Colossians 1, and I'm going to go ahead and pray and read the text to you, and then we'll get right into the, uh, the book and uh, see what God tells us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we genuinely thank you that we are in a country and an environment that freely allows for us to study the word of God in a public place like this. And yet, Lord, sometimes your word can become commonplace for for each of us here, and we don't value it the way we should. So we pray that the Holy Spirit of God, right now as we read your word, would open our ears. You know the many things that are on our minds Today and every day, we ask that you give us just a little bit of time today to separate ourselves from those events and to focus entirely on the Word of God and what you would say to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're all the way down in chapter 1, verse 9, and we're going to go through 14. And Paul says, For this reason also, since the day you heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all the steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. The forgiveness of sins, what an amazing thing. Lord, would you speak from this pulpit today? Would it be your mouth, your words? You know what nugget each person here needs to have as a takeaway. You know what I need to say and what I need to not say. So it's all you, Lord. We bow before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, We're real happy Gunner picked Colossians. It's one of my wife's favorite books. Um, It's fun to read together. I hope that as we're studying this, and I'm preaching to the choir here, I hope you are reading the book through in one sitting from time to time. I'd recommend it at least weekly because it's a, it's a fixed letter. There's a, a starting place and a finished place, which is real good. Now, before we uh, dig into Paul's prayer towards a worthy walk, uh, which, is, which is where we are, we're going to learn that a worthy walk 
uh, flows out of intimacy with God. Let me point out that this prayer, and really all the prayers of the New Testament, are great prayers for you and I to use in the lives of others. Now, I don't know about you, but as you're, as you're praying through your uh, church directory or your prayer list week after week, um, I'm not real creative, and sometimes it's hard for me to get past the God bless Jimmy and God bless Susie, or the unspoken prayer. And I'm limited in my creativity. It's difficult to have something uniquely fresh for every member of the body. Therefore, I personalize Paul's prayers uh, and pray those uh, for myself and for others. For instance, this week I was praying that Amber may be filled with the knowledge of his will and that Robert might bear fruit in every good work. And those are, those are God-approved prayers, if you will. They're powerful. So that's for free. Uh, use that yourselves. Let's go ahead and jump into the text. I, I can't get over being a teacher. Um, I'm not a preacher. I'm a cop. Most of you know that. Don't hold that against me because I'm a Christian cop, and hopefully that makes all the distance or a difference. But as I was texting someone this morning, I said, okay, when I get on the stand this morning, <laughs> I, the stand, you know, <laughs> I do promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. I have a judge sitting next to me that's a much more ferocious judge than would ever be in any county court. So um, the whole book of Colossians revolves around the phrase down from chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the key phrase out of the whole book. And you'll keep coming back to that over and over. And this is a level of connection, a level of intimacy, Christ in you. So profound that Paul had been calling it a mystery, but a mystery now revealed. You didn't really see that in the Old Testament. And consistent with that, today we learn that a worthy walk flows out of intimacy with God. We're going to see that a worthy walk flows out of intimacy with God. So let's go ahead and look at verse 9. Verse 9 here. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now last week, Gunnar covered the this reasons in verses 1 through 8. You saw that. Uh, the characteristics of the Colossian church uh, they really blessed Paul's socks off. They were really doing something. They were moving. It was exciting. And we heard him uh, last week, we heard that he was blessed because he heard of their faith in Christ, verse 4, and for the love which they had for all the saints. So there was something going on there. Uh, because of what they had, the word of truth, the gospel that was producing fruit in them, there was something going on there. They were uh, constantly bearing fruit and increasing, and they understood the grace of God in truth. Now, spoiler alert. The book of Colossians is, uh, it really extols the Lord Jesus Christ and also the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're going to get the gospel a lot in this book or during this series. God is going to go back to it again and again. So if you don't like the gospel, probably not a good place to be, but you're going to get it from different aspects. It's a lovely thing. Um, the gospel here had produced and was producing substantial uh, results in these people. Something was happening. And unfortunately, that is not always the case. The grace of God, the gospel, is not only a starting point for many in the American church today, but it's also a stopping point. People get saved, and that's kind of what, that's it. It's very common to see that. There's almost a subliminal tendency, all too prevalent, even in our Baptocostal circles, our good churches, for people to get saved and to stop there. And we all far too often are making churchgoers instead of making disciples. 
And that's a challenge. I mean, how many times have you heard this story? I should say, how many times have I heard from this, this story coming from the back of my police car? They'll say, you know, I, I used to be a Christian, but, or I, 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 my parents raised me in the church, but, or I was a Christian, but, but it didn't stick, but it didn't fix, but it didn't satisfy. I mean, who here has heard that from a coworker? I, I used to, but, or from a spouse, or from a child. It's painful. So listen, if this has been your journey, as it was mine, Christianity in my early days didn't satisfy. I got saved or resaved as an adult. I don't know how that worked, but God got a hold of me somehow. The fact is that the grace of God, the gospel, is the starting place, a prerequisite, if you will, for what Jesus calls the abundant life. John 10, he says this, you know what he says, I came that you may have life, and you might have that abundantly. And he's not talking there about going to heaven. He's talking about during your lifetime here on earth, the abundant life. And so if that's missing, there's a problem. And listen, if you are not experiencing the super substantial abundant life, the super substantial abundant life in Christ, all of the multimedia, flashing light, smoke machine efforts to generate a spiritual experience will not satisfy either. It has to come from Christ. And if you have found that Christianity has been less than thrilling, then pay special attention today, because Paul has something to say to us. Now, based on the reports reaching Paul about the church in Colossae, we would conclude that they were a mature church. They had reached the pinnacle. But Paul sees it differently. According to Paul, they had only just begun. They were just starting. There was so much more to come. And so he does the right thing. He prays for them. Verse 9, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And this is serious business. Paul is essentially telling us that if we are to experience the super substantial abundant life offered by Christ the Christianity that satisfies, we're going to need the knowledge of his will, and that in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, whatever that means. Religious words. What's he talking about? Well, he clarifies this in a similar prayer when he's praying to the Ephesians church back in Ephesians chapter 1. He says this, Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking God that I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, sounds familiar, right? So that you may know him better. You may know him better. This is about knowing God. My 20-somethings are often uh, the ones who most earnestly seek the knowledge of the will of God, especially when it comes to who should I marry, or what college should I go to, or what career path should I follow? Who's been there? Just me, huh? Been a long time. But Paul prays with something else in mind. Look at verse 10. Here's the reason. He prays that so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And just to be clear, a worthy walk flows out of intimacy with God. This is not about being good. It's about letting what God puts in you 
come out of you, a worthy walk. And two mistakes frequently made in, in making the making of disciples. First is the tendency to focus on the walk in a manner worthy, rather than focusing on intimacy with God. It seems to make sense that we would want people to clean up their dress and to clean up their mouths and to uh, clean up their lives early on. That seems to make sense. But in God's paradigm, cleaning up the outside should grow out of his cleaning of the inside, not the other way around. It's God's plan. It's God's program. Now, a second mistake is we focus on the increasing in the knowledge of God rather than increasing in knowing God, and there is a big difference. There's a personality that tends to focus on devouring every bit of Christian information out there. It seems so admirable. It seems like it makes sense, but it can be devastating. In fact, Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians, he says, knowledge puffs up but love edifies. This is not just about knowledge. It is possible to have too much information without application, and it does nothing for anyone. Now, the cure in both cases is the same, and he gives a cure here. And forgive me if it seems like I'm offering a how-to, but there is a pattern in the text, and we should look at that. First, the Colossian church was, was booming in its outpouring of love for one another. People knew about it. People saw it. People heard. People went to see. And we know that such love is evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. We know that from the book of Ephesians and even Romans. And with that in mind, Paul says, well, now that you have that, let's step it up a notch. And he prays that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And why? so that you will walk in a manner worthy to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So, formula here. Sorry for formulas. Number one, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Intimacy with God is impossible absent spiritual empowerment. You've got to have the Holy Spirit of God. And then two, now that you have the Holy Spirit of God, we have the filling with the knowledge of his will. He can tell you what to do or where to go. And number three, so that you will walk worthy, and number four, bearing fruit. But you know what that does? Is that leads you to increasing intimacy with God. There's levels. In a good marriage, you know that over the years, you should get a deeper understanding and intimacy of each other as you work together through it. Now, there's a principle here. Principle. Principles mean this is what you write down in the back of the bulletin. Principle. Knowing God is the primary need for the Christian. Knowing, let me say it better, just to be clear, intimacy with God is the chief need of every Christian. Intimacy with God is the chief need of every Christian. A depth of connection with God that produces results, that fixes that thing that you've been looking for, that thrills your soul. It's available to you and I. And that's what we need. The rest of it will fix itself. And why is that? Because the worthy walk flows out of your intimacy with God. So let me ask you, what hinders your intimacy with God? What hinders your intimacy with God? This is the time when the Holy Spirit of God is actually telling you something, not me. Are there passions or possessions or seeking positions or certain persons who hinder your pursuit 
of intimacy with God? And where have you settled in your religious experience? Where have you settled for something less than intimacy with God? Because it seems to work. It seems to work. We do that in our marriages, and we see over time it doesn't work. You can't settle. Have you settled for being just a churchgoer? Just chew on that. Now, if I'm going to be true to the text and to the context, I have to point out that walking in a manner worthy is not so much about being good as it is about walking and walking in a right direction. It's about movement. The Colossi church had movement. Something was going on. They were certainly walking. That movement was necessary if they were to progress in their knowledge, in their intimacy with God. They were moving. And because they were moving, they could now drink drink even deeper of God. They could know the knowledge of His will because they're already moving. They could know that direction they should go, the direction which would produce the most fruit because they were moving. God typically doesn't reveal the next step or higher spiritual knowledge to Christian couch potatoes. God typically doesn't give information beyond your willingness to obey. You think I'm turning the page and letting it sink in. So let me stop here just for a second. Does a church at Colossae remind you of anyone? Can you think of a church where people are genuinely loving on each other, where people are genuinely drawing nearer to God, and people are hearing about it, and they're coming to see it for themselves? I can. You see, Grace Point Church is actually right there right now. We're there. That's not a pat on the back. That's a warning. Something good is going on here. But we're in that dangerous juncture where people may choose to associate with us because it's fun, because we enjoy each other, because it feels good. And the temptation is to stay as we are because it seems to be working. It's going fine. Let's just keep it this way. But Paul tells us that this is exactly the time when we need to hit our knees in prayer and pray that God will draw us closer still to him. We're at the beginning of that intimacy. We're not beyond it yet, folks. So what does it look like? Well, Paul tells us. Look at verse uh, 10 again. A worthy walk looks like growth, and we're seeing that here. He says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. Is that happening here? Absolutely it is. When God speaks of knowing him, he means something more than textbook theology. It's not about picking up a systematic theology. Uh, This kind of knowing is the knowing that develops as two people work together through a difficult project, or two people suffer together, or two people fight side by side together. There's an intimacy and knowledge that just is hard to understand unless you've struggled with somebody next to you in a positive way. It builds intimacy. This is the kind of intimacy that is built in God's waiting room. And many of you have been there, and you have emerged connected to God in a way that can only be formed in a crucible. That's what he's talking about. 
Now, next week we will see that increasing in the knowledge of God also involves learning true information about God. Their good theology is important. You have to have a foundation. But that's for those who are already walking. Now, early on I said the Christian life should be a thrilling experience. Does that mean that Christianity is always a thrill? Well, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There are tough times ahead in God's curriculum for your growth towards Christ-likeness. There's, but in those times, he empowers us. Look at verse 11. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness, patience, and then he throws the word joy in there. You see, a worthy walk means empowerment, empowerment from God. Charles Stanley in his book, How to Handle Adversity, I carry copies of How to Handle Adversity in the trunk of my police car to give the guys when they go to jail. Um, it's a good book. He, he rightly points out that adversity is a tool in God's toolbox that can be wasted. That can be wasted. Not everyone who faces adversity embraces it as an opportunity for growth. But adversity faced by those in the process of the worthy walk allow them to draw upon God's strength. And they find that strength to be adequate. And in his strength, they are able to hold on for the long haul, he says, attaining to all steadfastness and patience. In the life of every person of substance, there are times which require them to simply not quit, to simply hold on, to persevere without any apparent reward, just to stick with it. And I think of the young mother sitting up all night with a fussy baby, you know, persevere, don't quit, press on. There's no reward that night, folks. That's a long way ahead. It's called grandchildren. (laughs) Still, the unique aspect of God-empowered steadfastness is the addition of this word joy. Joy? I put it to you. Who here has experienced joy in the midst of adversity? Who's experienced that? Is it real? You see, listen, that kind of worthy walk is not easily faked. And it flows out of intimacy with God. Finally, a worthy walk means gratitude, verses 12 through 14. Gratitude for an inheritance, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Gratitude for a new kingdom, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And then gratitude for the forgiveness of sins, verse 14. In whom we have redemption, what is that? The forgiveness of sins. Yes, a worthy walk flows and of intimacy with God. Now we see two challenges in this passage. Two things which hold men back from experiencing intimacy with God. First, we have Christians who are not walking. There's no movement. There's no momentum. Nothing to build upon. Is this you? And second, we see those who are hindered from intimacy because, as verse 14 says, 
they have never sought forgiveness for their sins. Which means, verse 13, you are still in the domain of darkness. Read that, going to hell. So you are, verse 12, disqualified from sharing in the inheritance of the saints of light. Read that, you are not going to heaven. Is this you? It's not a put-down, it's just a reality. The Bible tells us that, that all men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are by nature doomed to the domain of darkness, as it says here. And that means heading for hell, eternal punishment. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And to as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe, who trust, who accept his name. In Colossians speak, when we trust Jesus as the sole means of rescuing us out of our sin, God rescues us from the domain of darkness and he transfers us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Wow. It doesn't go back and forth. It goes from here over to there, and that's it. We're something new, a new creation, a new person. So something new should happen. There should be a change. There should be something showing. And that transfer is what gives us access to intimacy with God. It's a starting point. If you've yet to do so, won't you put your trust in him today even? And for those of you who have, those of you who are, are Christians, um, for those who have already put their trust in Jesus, how are you doing? My personal challenge is found in the principle, my struggle, in the principle that intimacy with God affects our walk with men. Intimacy with God affects our walk with men. i got to tell you, it would be really easy for me to be a good Christian if there weren't any people to get in my way. That's my problem, though, not yours. That's not how it works, though. Our intimacy with God should touch those around us and ultimately lead others to intimacy with God. Now, I will tell you that I am postured in a very special position. Not here, but in the front of a police car. I get a captive audience on a regular basis right in the back, and I can talk about whatever I want. But each of you are postured someplace special where you have access to people, and you're able to show them intimacy with God. Some of you warriors, school teachers can never be in your camp. Some of you school teachers, warriors can never be in that camp. God has postured you on the construction site, in the home front, on the farm, wherever, so that you might have access to share about the Lord. And you don't really have to share much. If you are developing intimacy with God, good things will flow out of you. It's just the way God is. Our intimacy with God should touch those around us and ultimately lead others to intimacy with God. That's what's happening here at church, folks. People are coming because they see your intimacy and they're saying, what's going on there? I want some of that. And unfortunately, we might have to do a building project, huh? You want to go to two services, really? (laughs) Okay, we probably want lunch. Let's wrap this up. So let me ask you, What aspects, 
What aspects of the worthy walk is most challenging for you? What, what's standing in your way? What hinders you? you you've already, you're already thinking of something. I know you are. And where has God uniquely postured you, positioned you to influence others toward a worthy walk? Where does he put you? Places I can't go, but you can. And how will you exploit that access? And for you prayer warriors, the free point for you, how can you improve the effectiveness of your prayer life by following the format offered here by Paul and also in the other New Testament uh, prayers. They're just great, powerful passages to pray people into. If the concept of, of intimacy with God is intriguing but challenging for you, as I suspect it might be, like, how do I do it? Won't you reach out? Reach out to Gunner, reach out to the church office, or, or how about come up and talk to the, these prayer warriors up front after the service and get started in that journey. Open yourself up to that journey of walking into intimacy with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is an amazing thing that you desire intimacy with us. It's an amazing thing that God Almighty likes us. That you, Lord, you say that you sing over us. You enjoy us. (laughs) And yet, Lord, we don't always look to you unless we have a need. And that's okay because you condescend to us. What an amazing God we have. Lord, would you open our hearts and minds now to desire even more. Something better, something deeper, something more substantial. And we give you the glory because it gives you the joy in Jesus' name. Amen.